Hebrews chapter 5. We're going to read the last few verses of the chapter, beginning in uh, verse 10. Much as I hate to break into the middle of a chapter, I'll, I'll try to give you a little bit of foundation, a little bit of context as we get into the message this morning. Hebrews 5, beginning in verse 10, you follow along silently as I read aloud. The scriptures tell us, called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their, exercise, their senses exercised to discern both good and and evil. I'd like you to consider verse 14, having their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. I want to talk a little bit this morning about the topic of discernment. Discernment. It's a very important thing uh, in the Christian life. Let's look to the Lord in a word of prayer. Lord, we're thankful for the time together this morning. God, I pray now that you'd fill me with your spirit. I pray that you'd help me to communicate your word faithfully and effectively. And Lord, I pray you'd help each of us to evaluate in our own lives whether we are exercising discernment, Lord, whether we're able to use a, a, a godly measure, a godly rule of standard, Lord, uh, to things that are going on in our own lives. So, Lord, I pray that you'd enable us to see that. I pray you'd enable us to, to understand the importance of that. Lord, I pray that uh, if there's someone here today that doesn't know for sure they're on the way to heaven, Lord, that today would be a day of salvation for them. We're thankful for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Probably many of you are aware of this, but let me just give you a few introductory remarks about the book of Hebrews. Uh, the book of Hebrews is not written to any particular church. It is written to Hebrews. That makes sense, right, Pastor Mike? Someone said that's why the man should make a copy, because the Bible says Hebrews. But I don't know about that. Uh, but anyway, this book is written to, to, to Hebrew Christians who have grown up in the Jewish tradition. They have grown up studying the law. They have grown up studying the Old Testament ordinances. If they were a young man, they were circumcised on the eighth day. They had to recite uh, a certain portion of the law by their 13th birthday. Uh, they, they, they had to go to the temple once a year for the various sacrifices. They had to do a lot. They are not supposed to be eating pork, not supposed to be eating catfish, not supposed to be eating shrimp or lobster. Man, they missed out on a lot of good stuff. Amen? Uh, not, supposed to, not supposed to eat meat that has any redness at all in it. Say, Pastor Mike, are you kidding me? I was in Israel, and we were at a, uh, a hotel on Friday night. Now, Friday, the Sabbath begins at 6 o'clock on Friday, folks, okay? And to, to some Jews, they look at the Sabbath more or less as a holiday. I mean, it's a big celebration. It's a celebration of their heritage. Now, what they think about having all these other people employed, employed you know, so they can have their holiday, I don't know. But we're in this place. they got this huge buffet, and I see a sign that says prime rib. Well, I'm all about prime rib, amen? So I walk down there, and I'm looking for the prime rib because I don't see any prime rib. You know why? It's brown. I'm telling you right now, that's a sin to serve prime rib brown, amen? <laughs> it's got it's to be pink, amen? But anyway, uh, the... the, the that's just the way they are. That's their tradition. That's what they've grown up in. Now, many of them, of course, were exposed to the preaching and the teaching of the apostles and other Christians during the early days of Christianity. We read on the day of Pentecost. Pentecost, folks, took, about, took place about 50 days after the Passover, and Christ, of course, was crucified just before the Passover. 
So it's about 50 days later, Jesus ascends up into heaven. Well, 40 days later, he ascended into heaven. 10 days after that, the 10-day prayer meeting, Acts chapter 1. Now they've prayed. They've been empowered by the Holy Spirit. They're preaching. The Apostle Peter preaches, and 3,000 people pray and trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. They repent of their sins. They follow the Lord in believer's baptism, which is a public acknowledging. Somebody said, Pastor Mike, why do you get baptized? Do you have to be baptized to be saved? No. Baptism is like the wedding man of salvation. This wedding man doesn't make me marry. It just shows folks that I am married. It shows that I identify with my wife. When you watch the, 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 the movies and stuff where the guy's going to be a bad husband, what does he always do? He slips the wedding ring off. That wouldn't work for me because there's a can line and a, and a callus there. Uh, but uh, not anybody would check me out anyway, let's be honest. But anyway, uh, you know, that's, that, that wedding man doesn't make me married. That wedding man just identifies me as married. That's what baptism does to the believer. There's nothing in baptismal water that washes away sins, folks. The Bible tells us the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all our sin. But the Bible also says that we've got to have a time that we personally accept we personally repent of our sin, and we personally accept the gift of salvation offered by God's Son on the cross. And these Hebrew Christians, they had accepted Christ as their Savior. They had made a profession of faith. Many of them had, had, had followed through with believers' baptism, and now they're being faced, they're in a crisis in their life. About 30-some-odd years has passed since the resurrection of Jesus, and now we're right about the mid-60s of the first century, okay? How do you know that, Pastor Mike? That's what, all, that's what all my commentaries tell me. I don't know for sure. That's what all the, the learned men that have come before me say. It's right about the mid-60s. Now, what significant event happens in 70 A.D. with Jerusalem, folks? The temple is destroyed. Titus takes it out. Remember, we mentioned to you last week, Christian, about how Nero, we believe, was likely the, the one in control when both the Apostle Peter and the Apostle Paul were executed. Nero was also the guy that told Titus, tear that place down. He gave me authority. So the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, knowing that that temple's not going to be around much longer, inspired someone, I think the Apostle Paul, but we don't know for sure, the, the writer of Hebrews doesn't sign his name to it, whoever, whoever wrote it. But they, they inspired someone to write this letter to the Hebrew Christians, explaining to them that even though there's lots of good truth, there's a wealth of knowledge, there's a wealth of things we can learn from studying the Old Testament, then we have to realize that Christianity now, we're under a new covenant. We're under a new set of requirements. We're in a new age, if you will, of speaking religiously. You'll recall, in Matthew chapter 27, the Bible says that when Jesus said, it is finished, and he gave up the ghost, the Bible says there was an earthquake, and the veil of the temple in Jerusalem was rent from the top to the bottom. What's significant about that, Pastor Mike? Hey, folks, nobody went inside the Holy of Holies except the high priest. And he only went in there once a year. Because that, that Ark of the Covenant, that represented the very presence of God Almighty. And that high priest would go in there once a year, and he'd have a basin of blood from the sacrifice, and he'd have a hyssop branch, and he'd put the, the, the branch in the basin of blood, and he would sprinkle that blood on what they called the mercy seat on top of the Ark of the Covenant, and he would pray for the forgiveness for the sins of the nation. And he was acting as an intermediary. He was acting in an intercessory manner for the nation of Israel. And that was a very important teaching. That was a very important, that, that commemorated, you know, uh, the Day of Atonement. That commemorated the fact that, hey, listen, we're, we're remembering that, that God, we're, God, we're God's chosen people. And God's, the folks that veil, that was torn from the top to the bottom. Why? You know what that meant? 
That meant you didn't have to go through the high priest anymore. Hey, folks, by the way, that's an important biblical teaching. Now, listen, I'm, I'm your pastor, okay? I'm trying to share with you spiritual truth. I'm trying to share with you scripture. But you don't have to go through me to get to God. Do you know that? The Bible teaches there's one God, there's one mediator between God and men. You know who that is? It ain't Pastor Mike. And it's not anybody else that claims to be the intermediary, folks. It's not Mary either. No, you get, get some people upset with Pastor Mike. You put, I'm not putting out Mary, but Mary, Mary has no mediatory powers whatsoever, folks. The Bible does not teach that. That's a man-made invention. You go directly to the throne of grace through Jesus Christ, our high priest. And so the writer of Hebrews is spending the whole book laying out an understanding, an argument, if you will. Hey, listen, the reason we had the law was to show us their unrighteousness, but it illustrated this. And now he's on the topic of the priesthood. Because who is it that's, that's putting pressure on these Hebrew Christians to no longer uh, assemble with other Christians? See, this is what they were doing in Bible times, folks. On Saturday, they're going to the synagogue. And on Sunday, they're going to church. Because, hey, they were Jews ethnically, right? That was their tradition. That was what they'd done all their life. So even though they put their faith and trust in Christ, they still wanted to honor their traditions. They still wanted to honor the way they'd been brought up and stuff. But now the high priests, now the priesthood in Jerusalem is telling them, hey, listen, you can't come here on Saturday and go there on Sunday. We're not going to let you. And you know what some of the people did? Some of them said, well, they're quit going on Sunday because, hey, being a, being a Jew, that's important. Being a Hebrew, that's, you know, that, that's, that's God's chosen people. That's a real important deal. And if you read the Old Testament, it'd be understanding why they would come to that conclusion. Amen? That's a real big deal. That's why Hebrews 10.25 says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, some have already quit going. We're not supposed to quit assembling as believers. And the writer here is saying, hey, listen, we've got a superior priesthood. Now, we didn't read the first nine verses. The first nine verses is comparing how Jesus is a better high priest than the priesthood of Aaron, okay? But when he gets down to verse 10, for some reason... It's kind of funny. Let me read that so I don't, I don't mess up the, the, the wording of it at all, trying to guess and trying to remember. I don't remember everything, believe it or not. Uh, so uh, let me, I want to get this reading. He says, Called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek appears in Genesis chapter 14. That's the priest that Abraham paid tithes and offerings to after the defeat of the, the kings of Chedorlaomer that had captured Lot, his nephew. That wasn't in the notes, amen? That's for free. But that's where he, that's where he is, okay? And this is 400 years before the law, folks. This is 400 years before the, uh, the, the priesthood of Aaron, the Levitical priesthood. 400 years earlier, here's Abraham, who's called the father of the faithful. Here's Abraham paying tithes and offerings to a guy named Melchizedek, who's called the priest of the Most High God. And the Bible here is saying that Jesus is after that order. Of course, Jesus was from the tribe of Judah, not from the tribe of Levi, but again, I've got to be careful here. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of material. That's why I'm focusing on this. Now notice what it says in verse 11. Of whom we have many things to say and are hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. Number one, it's fascinating to me that as the person that's writing this, and he's not teaching, this isn't a lecture. 
that whoever this writer is was giving at the synagogue in Jerusalem, and somebody is a stenographer, they're writing it all down. I've got commentaries like that. I've got commentaries on my bookshelves by a guy named uh, Dr. Ironside, that he didn't sit down and write the book. And the, the introduction of every commentary says, these are from a series of lectures that Dr. Ironside preached when he was the pastor of the Moody Memorial Church outside of Chicago. So, and, and, they're, and they're great commentators. I, I love Ironside. I mean, I, I really enjoy reading them. He's one of the guys I like to read. But he didn't sit down to write the book, okay? He's addressing people, and somebody else recorded them, and they, they put them on paper. And lot, lots of great teaching there. Lots of, there. There's lots of stuff you can learn from, from other men of God that have gone on before. And so I enjoy, I enjoy reading and all that. But this, this book, folks, should realize the author of this book, he's not lecturing. He's not in Jerusalem giving a series of lectures, okay? And somebody wrote them down. He's been inspired by the Holy Spirit. That's right. How do you know that? All scripture is given by what? Inspiration of God. You know what that word inspiration means? It means God breathed. It's a very interesting, it's a very interesting uh, proposition. So he's been inspired. Whoever this is, he's been inspired to write this. Now, right when he's on this top of the priest, he says, hey, wait a minute. I've got some hard stuff I want to tell you, but I can tell I've lost you already. Now, that, that happens in church with me every Sunday. Amen? <laughs> we'll get up reading the scripture. I'll look up and I can see some folks' eyes are just glazed over. <laughs> now, I understand that. I understand that. If you started talking to me about gigabytes and megabytes and, and broadband and, and, and all that stuff, my eyes might glaze over, okay? I don't, I don't understand. I got a cell phone. You know, I got a computer. I use it. Do I understand exactly how all that? I do not have any clue how all that stuff works. I don't want to know how all that stuff works. All right? Okay. Stacy probably tell us all about it. Amen. That's what she does for a living. So I'm offended, Stacy. Stacy, listen. Another thing is, amen. I, I'm just saying. I understand. Sometimes people start talking about stuff. Hey, when I'm when I'm with my wife and daughters, and they start talking about decorating. You know what happens? I get dull of hearing. <laughs> Do you know what decorating means? Let me interpret that for you guys. That means you're going to have to throw out something that's perfectly good and replace it with something totally different that's probably going to cost you a lot of money just so it looks different. It has nothing to do with how it functions. It's all about the looks. It's all, it's all show. No go. That's, my, that's terrible. How can you say it? I'm, 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 I'm just, that, that's the MRG interpretation. Amen. That's what that, but man, I hear about decorating. I, man, I, Boy, I'm, I'm dull of hearing that stuff. I don't care about that stuff. I don't want to know about it. I don't care about it. Now, we've all got things that are like that. But, folks, here's the deal. When it comes to spiritual things, when it comes to things of eternal importance, when it comes to understanding what it is God is trying to teach us, you better shake off that dull of hearing stuff, and you better sit up, and you better pay attention. I remember in, in college, Sometimes I'd be sitting there in class and I'd be listening to an instructor and I'd glance over and you know, this guy's passed out and this guy's got his briefcase open like he's taking notes, but he's not taking notes, he's drawing a cartoon, you know, this guy's doing this. And it comes down to exam time and they're complaining that they're not doing so good on the exam. He says, well, it would probably help if you actually listen in class. But the problem is we become dull of hearing. Now the writer here is inspired by the one who said, hey, listen, you got to understand, do you, remember, do you realize that Jesus said this? Hearing, they won't hear. Seeing, they, 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 they won't understand. How many times have you heard people say, boy, I wish I could have lived in the days of Jesus and seen him feed the 5,000. 
I wish I could have been there when he healed the blind man. I wish I could have been there when he raised Lazarus. Folks, she realized there were people there. They saw that. They heard the preaching of Jesus Christ himself. And they still yelled, crucify him. His blood be on us and our children. They didn't believe in it. You know who the ringleaders were? They got him crucified? It wasn't Pilate. Pilate was trying to get out of it. Man, you got to appreciate Pilate. Well, he's a politician. How can I make the Jews happy? But how can I do the right thing, man? I don't want, I don't want nothing to do with it. How about if I just beat him? Would that be good enough that I just beat him and that's that and you'll be happy? No! Crucify him! Who are the ones stirring the people up to do that, folks? The high priests. The leaders. <coughs> the, lead, the religious leaders of the day did not hear the words of Jesus and recognize them for what they were. They were Bible experts. They had large portions of scriptures memorized. But they didn't hear it. Why? They were dull of hearing. They couldn't see. As the, the Gospel of John tells us that when they were plotting to kill Christ, some of them said, hey, by the way, we've got to kill Lazarus too. Because the Bible says a lot of people were believing on Christ because he had just raised Lazarus from the dead after being in the tomb for four days. Now, the other three Gospels don't mention that, but the Gospel of John mentions that they wanted to kill Jesus and they wanted to kill Lazarus. Why? That was a threat to their power. That was a threat to their authority. When it came to true spiritual teaching, folks, they were dull of hearing. Hey, listen, can I encourage you? Have an appetite for the Word of God. Listen, you can get something out of the scriptures. Even if you, you, listen, I understand. You might not get anything out of my go for sometimes. I'm, I'm not the world's greatest preacher. That's why the Lord stuck me up here with you in Caseville. Amen? That's because, you know, he, knew, ah, he can't hack the big stuff. We'll put him up there and there won't get too many people to mess up up there in Caseville. But listen, when we look at a portion of God's word, folks, you can get something from God's word if you want to. If you want to. Our problem is a lot of times we go inside uh, one evangelist, I think it was Sam Jones, the old Methodist evangelist. Sam Jones said, man, a lot of Christians are like the woman that goes to the, the, the five-floor department store, walks out of there with a pack of 50-cent buttons. There was all kinds of stuff in there she could have got. But she went there for those buttons, and that's all she got. What are you going to church for? Are you going there to get something of value and importance? Or are you just running an error so you can patch up something in your life? We, we, we can't be dull of hearing. We've got to have a desire to hear. We've got to have a desire to understand the Word of God so that we can apply it to our lives. Now, moving on. The very next verse. For when the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. Now, the second thing that the writer is emphasizing, not only are you dull of hearing, but you ought to be in a place in your life where you are teaching or leading others. I would, I would argue, folks, culturally, that one of the reasons that our culture here in America is in such big trouble is we've had at least two, maybe three generations of people that don't have any idea what it means to parent a child. Parenting is a skill. Parenting requires discernment. We've got parents that want to be their kid's buddy. It's not your job to be your kid's buddy. 
It's your job to be your kid's parent. We've got parents that think that they, that they bought this line. Well, uh, uh, that's just, you know, that, that, that first three or four years, that's not important anyway. It's just all poopy diapers and snotty noses and all that stuff. Just dump them off of the daycare and go do your thing. Now listen, I understand there's ladies that in the situation you're in, maybe you had to work. I'm not preaching against women working, but I am going to tell you this. The sociologist, not your preacher, the sociologist claim you learn 80% of what you're ever going to know by age five. But we have passed that off to Big Bird. We've passed that off to Mr. Rogers. We've passed that off to Sesame Street and the daycare and all that. And we haven't been there to put our values into the next generation. And they've grown up, and then they have babies, and they're like, man, I don't know what to do. Well, Pastor Mike, did you know what to do when you had a kid? No, but I knew who to call, amen? I called my mom and dad. Hey, this happened. What do I do about this? Hey, listen. You know, a lot of times, they can't even do that. Can't even do that. Got to have discernment. Now, the Bible here says, hey, listen. You're at the point where you should be teaching other people, but you need to be taught the basics. The first principles of the oracles of God. Now, that word oracles of God, this is another way of talking about Scripture. You know, there are, there are some things that we need to understand, we need to grasp, we need to realize. Hey, listen, the Bible is God's Word. The Bible tells us what we need to know about God. The Bible tells us where we came from. The Bible tells us why we're here. The Bible tells us where we're going, folks. I don't know who came up with it, but I really like the one that, that told me Bible stands for basic information before leaving earth. Amen? But you don't have to wait till you're leaving earth. It can help you right now. The Bible can help your marriage. The Bible can help your relationship at work. The Bible can help you in your finances. The Bible can help you get along if you'll just... Stop. But a lot of folks, the Bible is something we bring to church on Sunday, we get home from Sunday, we sit it on a shelf, and it sits there until the next time we got to go to church. Or unless somebody asks us, hey, you got that? Yeah, it's in my Bible. You know, right? and then we open and grab it. But we're not really getting what we need out of it. <laughs> Now, notice the Bible here tells us you ought to be a teacher. Hey, listen, folks, life is a natural progression. I've been on the Caseville Fire Department a little over 20 years now. Well, February will be 21 years. When I first got out of the department, I didn't know one end of the fire hose from the other end of the fire hose. Amen? I didn't know a pipe pole from a halogen bar. I didn't know that, that an SCBA was a, was a dry land SCUBA. Amen? Everybody knows scuba, right? You know, that's not just a word. That's an acronym. Self-contained underwater breathing apparatus. Fireman, we don't wear scuba gear because we don't go underwater. Well, hopefully we don't go underwater. <laughs> Sometimes somebody points the hose and runs away you're underwater for a couple minutes. But, uh, self-contained. I didn't know what any of that stuff meant. But you know what? I read my Firefighter 1 manual. I went and I got, took my test. I got certified. I learned my, I learned my NAS and stuff. I learned the different stuff. Well, guess what? 21 years later, folks, 21 years later, now we got a new fireman, and I'm showing them, hey, this is how you wind a hose. I'm showing them, hey, this is how you put on your air pad. I'm showing them, hey, this is how you run the truck. Why is it? Well, hopefully, after 21 years, almost 21 years, I've learned a couple things, right? Now, folks, let me ask you a question. How long have you been a believer? How long has it been since you put your faith and trust in Christ? Now, the answer to that, if you're drawing a blank, man, I don't know when that happened. You, you need to consider that. The Bible says there needs to be a time that we have put our faith and trust. There needs to be a time that we've believed. 
And you might not know the actual day or hour or month or what, but you ought to have a general idea. When is it that I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ? And if you can't answer that question, man, I would love to talk to you after church. I'd love to talk to you later this week and show you how the Bible says you can know for sure you're on your way to heaven. These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. Hey, listen, that's the first principles of the Word of God. That's the first principles of the oracles of God. Getting your salvation self. My sheep hear my voice, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hands. Here's another basic principle of the oracles of God. Salvation, when, when you're a child of God, you're a child of God forever. Well, I don't know if I can grasp that fast, right? Try to grasp this. I discovered America in the city of Pontiac, Michigan, on August 22, 1962. I was born into the family of William and Judy Goforth. Now, I can guarantee you, folks, in the last 57 plus years, there's been times that neither Judy nor Ray Goforth wanted to take credit for me. Amen? I can remember conversations as a kid. Did you hear what your son did? In 1972, my church started a Christian school. I was in the first class. They only went up to fifth grade. I was in fifth grade. They added a class every year. So every year, I was in the next highest class. In seventh grade, some of us junior high boys were starting to get a little bit disrespectful. That's hard to imagine a seventh grade boy being disrespectful, amen? But we were being disrespectful. We were, we, were, we were acting up. We were getting in fights at school. We were doing something. The school said, what are we going to do? He said, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going we're to put in a demerit system. I mean, there was one demerit offense. There was five demerit offenses. How many were you allowed, Pastor Mike? Twenty-five. They implemented the system right after Christmas break, the first the first. Uh, semester been so bad. I was expelled before the next marking period. 25 marriage. How do you think Ray and Judy Goforth felt about that? Church, they grew up in as kids. It's gotten, it's gotten bigger. The Lord's blessed. They started this Christian school. And now their son has the dubious honor of being the first expellee from Christian school. Wonderful. Those are times I can definitely remember my mom saying, Did you hear what your son did today? He said, well, I'm pretty sure he's your son. No, he's definitely your son. But the truth of the matter is, even though Ray and Judy were trying to pass the blame on somebody else's back, is, I'm their kid, amen? The verse that David said, that's what Jesus says in John 10. My sheep hear my voice, I give unto them eternal life, they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them to me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of the hand of my Father. This is another principle of the Word of God. Salvation, when you, when you trust in Christ as your Savior, you're His forever. You don't have to worry, what if I do the wrong thing? I, hey, I can go one better than that. You are going to do the wrong thing. You know why? Because we still have a sin nature. Amen? But see, the Bible says the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all our sin. Well, if I'm cleansed from all my sins, I ought to be able to do anything I want. So yeah, but the, the Bible does talk about God chastising his children. Now I'm getting, i got to get focused back in here. We're, we're getting a little bit far off the thing. But here's some principles of the Word of God. As a Christian, you ought to be able to understand why you believe what you believe. You ought to be able to go to the Word of God and say, this is what my belief is based on. Folks, belief shouldn't be based on tradition. Belief shouldn't be based on opinion. Belief shouldn't be based on what you heard some guy say. Belief ought to be based on what does the Word of God say. Thus saith the Lord. 
What does the Bible say? And hopefully you can get to the point in your life where you can take a younger Christian, a younger believer, or a non-believer that's seeking the Lord that doesn't understand, that, that's concerned about their soul, and you take them to the scriptures and you show them. The writer here is saying, hey, you've reached a time when you ought to be teachers. But man, i got to go back and cover the basics with you. i got to go back and talk about, talk about the, 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 the very foundations of things. Now notice something. In the very next verse, he says, I should, I'm going to have to give you milk instead of strong meat. Everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. The way God designed us, when we're first born, one of the first things that, that kids want to do is they want to eat. If everything's healthy, if everything's good. And ladies, uh, I, for, for the young ladies present, that, let me give you a little bit of wisdom, a little bit of knowledge here that you might not want to hear. When a baby latches on to mama and nurses the first time, it also causes the uterus, where, where the placenta is just released from, to contract. And it hurts like a son of a gun. Amen? Amen, honey? You remember those days? I mean, boy. But that's the way God designed. It's a sign of a healthy baby. Uh, when I, back when I was born in the early 60s, they thought that the way to make labor easier for the mom was to drug her up. They didn't realize that all the drugs mom was getting are going right on the baby. I was pretty much born asleep. I was drugged up. And my mom wasn't having very good contractions because she was half drugged up. She said to the doctor, I don't know if they called it a dairy farmer and he got a chain and a tractor or what, but she said well, after I was born, I had these big orange spots on my head from the guy grabbing the forceps and kind of jerked me out and stuff. And they pulled me out and I just laid there. Check out. My mom said she didn't want to say nothing to my dad, but when dad wasn't there at the hospital, she was crying, oh, he's going to be, he's never going to do it, he's going to be retarded, he's going to, and my dad would go up to the nursery and look at me, and he's going to be retarded, he's never, and I grew up, now they know I'm retarded. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing, because I was all drugged up, I didn't have that, but now when my kids were born, out in Connecticut, I don't know if they're like barbarians out there or what, but the, the place that we went to for Jessica and Andrew, all, she's got one shot for Jessica Andrew. She didn't even have a title. Didn't give her a bullet to bite on. Amen. That's what you talk a complete natural child. I mean, but man, that baby's born. You hand that baby to mama. That baby latches on and boom. But here's the thing. You said, well, he's talking about all this testament. When a baby's born, you don't take him to Lucky's for praying rib. Amen. <laughs> now, mom might feel like going to Lucky's after a couple days. Amen. But you don't take the baby to Lucky's for praying rib. What? Can't handle it. What does what, what solid food do to a baby? It chokes them. In fact, it could actually, potentially, endanger them. Inhale a green bean or something into their lungs. you got to start out, you got, you let them build up their strength, build up, get a couple choppers in there. Well, I remember my oldest grandchild, Ellie. She was born in January. And so the next Christmas... Someone got us a prime rib. And so we made a prime rib at home for the first time. I mean, I don't even go on Lucky's for prime. That's good. I'm not complaining about that. My folks made a whole second prime rib roast. And we followed the directions and YouTubed it and got that thing all cooked up. And I was sitting there with my, my oldest, my first, my oldest grandchild on my lap. Man, I got the knife and the fork. I cut off this little sliver of prime rib about the size of a hangnail. And I put that in Ellie's mouth. Boy, her eyes were, ooh, man, she liked that. Fast Why didn't you just feed Ellie? Just, just feed Ellie milk. She's a baby. Come on. So, well, you know, I want her to, to be able to start getting solid food. Why? Because they got they got a girl. Amen. Listen, folks. It's exciting to see a baby take a bottle, you know, burp, 
poop their pants. Whoa, that's, that's big stuff, amen, when they first show up. Wow, whoa, great, everything's working great. But when the kid turns five years old and he's still pooping his pants, we're not so excited about that, amen? When the kid turns five years old and he's walking around the mall with a pacifier hanging out of his lips, you know, how old is your kid? 60 months. Well, you know, come on now. <laughs> That's not so exciting. You know, when, and when they're 30 years at home and living in your basement, that's definitely bad. Amen? <laughs> now, here's the thing. The whole idea, you start out as a babe, but you don't stay a baby. Amen? You grow. You grow. When my when the grandkids were little, uh, some of them still call me this, but Ellie, when she was little, I guess she couldn't say grandpa. She still would say papa. Say papa, papa. And I think she got about three and a half, four years old, and one day she said, Grandpa, my wife almost had a heart attack. No! He's Papa! Don't call him that! I said, Grandma, she's a big girl now. She knows how to say Grandpa. Hey, we, we want to see that, right? We want to see him take that step. We want to see him say those words. We want to see him get to where they can ride a bike. We want to see him. We understand that physically. Why don't we understand that spiritually? When you become a believer, you're born into the family of God. The Bible says you're like a babe. Peter writes over in his epistle, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that she may grow thereby. But the writer here is making a different accusation. <laughs> the writer here is saying, hey, listen, you're way past, you ought to be way past the milk stage, but I can't, I can't give you any meat. I, man, I, 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 I gotta, I gotta give you the milk because you can't handle it. You're not ready to deal with it. And here's the thing, folks. We've got to reach a point where we're able to discern the difference between right and wrong. Notice what it says there. Everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. How do you get exercise? Doesn't exercise usually involve repetition? <coughs> it almost sounds like coming to church every week, amen? When I was a kid and I got up to where boys were caring about muscles and all that, and I'm working readouts or workouts and stuff, they're saying, do this amount of weight, 10 reps, 4 sets of reps. Now I know all the, all the new guys now say that's not how you do it. I know. I'm telling you what it was when I was a kid. <coughs> so you get the weight, you put it on the bar, you press it 10 times, you rest. Go back in 10 more times, you rest. Go back 10 more times. But that's boring. But yeah, I know. That's probably why I never did it more than a month at a time and then got sidetracked and went out of other things. But the way you get stronger is by doing things, right? Folks, in, in the spiritual realm, the way you get stronger is by exercising your spiritual senses. You need to exercise. You need to spend time studying the Word of God. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. Listen, I'm trying to break down spiritual things in a way that in an, a group like this, a congregation like this, I don't know, there's people here that they've been saved longer than I have. There might be somebody here today you're not even saved. You don't even know the Lord is your personal Savior. You need to put your faith and trust in Him. I'm trying to give a sermon that I think will help everybody. I guarantee you there's some people here today that are thinking, man, I've heard this guy say all this stuff before. I wish he'd give me something. 
Now, I, I, I wish you'd throw me a bone. I hope there's some meat on that bone. Amen? I, I, I need something this morning. So when I, when I deliver a sermon, when I deliver a message, I'm, I'm trying the best I can to give something I think is going to be a help, it's going to be a benefit to everyone, but I don't think that you should expect to be able to grow to your full potential as a Christian just on what you hear from me on a Sunday morning. You've got to exercise yourself. You know, a lot of people's idea of Christian exercise is like the guy I heard say one time his, uh, his physical exercise was he would draw a bath, he'd sit in the bath, He'd let the water out and he'd fight the current. That was his exercise. You don't set any program. It's an excuse not to do it. Now, don't walk out of here and think, what, Pastor Mike's getting on us about physical exercise. I'm not. Bodily exercise profits little, the Bible says. But spiritual exercise is extremely important. In the, in the book of Kings, 1 Kings, David has died, his son Solomon has become king. Solomon is offering sacrifices to God. God appears to Solomon in a dream one night. He says, Solomon, what would you like? Solomon makes a very interesting request. He doesn't ask for money. Now, just think about that for a second. If God showed up at your front door today and said, tell me what you want, I'll do it for you. You know, we'd be like that kid, uh, oh, my mind is like a lad. We'd be like a lad with a genie. Oh, oh, wow, wow, what can I get, what can I get? Tell me what you want, Solomon. I'll do it for you. You know what Solomon asked for? He asked for a wise and understanding heart so that he could discern between good and evil. Now, in Bible times, folks, the king wasn't just the executive branch. We Americans, we're used to a legislative branch, an executive branch, and a judicial branch, and checks and balances, and, and uh, of course, we're not supposed to say all the bureaucracies that are messing things up now, but that's, that's, we're not doing government right now. But that's, that's the type of government we're used to. Broken up into three different branches. In Bible times, it wasn't like that. The king was the judge, the jury, and the executioner. The king would listen to cases. He would make a decision, and his decision would be carried out. There was no appeal. There, there, there was no uh, lawyer. There was no, I mean, they listened to him. So Solomon is praying for this, and God says, you know, Solomon, because you didn't ask for riches or long life or honor, I'm going to give those to you anyway. And I'm going to give you such a wise and discerning heart, no one will ever rise again that has the wisdom and, and discernment that you have. Solomon wakes up, he realizes it's a dream. Not long after that, he's at court, he's doing his king thing. People are coming before him complaining. These two women come and complain to him. You may recall the story. These two women, the Bible says, they're harlots. Okay? They both got kids out of wedlock. One of them rolled over on her baby during the night, smothered the baby, and killed her. She realized her baby was dead, and she switched her baby with the other woman that was living in the house with her baby. That mother says, she woke up, she said, okay, got, got to nurse the baby. Says, when I went to nurse the baby, I got to see when the, when the sun came up, when it was light, and I realized, hey, wait a minute, this isn't my kid. Boy, if only a mother could tell with those wrinkled up, creamy looking newborn babies. Amen. I don't know how you, I don't know how you tell apart. But she said, hey, this isn't my baby. But the one that accidentally killed her, he said, oh, yes, it is. She's trying to pull the old switcheroo, King Solomon. We need you to decide right now what to do. Now, they didn't have paternity tests. They didn't have DNA tests. They didn't have all that stuff back then, folks. They didn't fingerprint them when they were born. They were born at home. Imagine that. No health care system at all. That's an interesting thing. But anyway, let's not talk about that either. Anyway, so what are you going to do? 
And everybody's, you know, on the edge of their seat. Wow, a new king. How's he going to handle this one, man? I don't know what you do about this. Boy, this is a hard hit. Solomon says, bring me a sword. Well, that's what we were expecting, amen? Bring the sword. He says, cut the live baby in half. Each one claims it's their baby. Give half the one, half to the other. Boy, Pastor Mike, that doesn't sound very discerning to me. Well, actually, it was exactly discerning. Because the true mother said, no, don't kill my baby. Let, just let her have it. I'll, I'll, I'll keep it. Please, don't kill my The one who had killed her baby said, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Cut that baby in half. Then it'll all be even Stephen. That's in Hebrew, even Stephen. I'm just kidding. You. But that, that was the attitude she had. King Solomon said, take the baby. And give it to the one that said, let the other one have my baby. And the Bible says, everybody in that courtroom said, whoa. That's in Hebrew too, amen. <laughs> I don't know what they said. Everybody said, wow. Solomon knows what he's doing. <laughs> Solomon is able to determine what the truth is. Now, folks, we live in a day and age where you're getting assaulted with so-called facts from every direction. The talking heads on TV the internet, the, the, the cable news network. We, we, we've got all, telling us all these facts. You see those air quotes? Those who listen to the radio message, I'm hooking my fingers right now. You know how we need to learn to weigh those facts, folks? We need to learn to weigh those facts, number one, in the light of what God's Word teaches. He that is first in his cause is right in his own way, but a wise man searcheth the matter out. Now, when parents, when you hear a smack and a yell, and then crying, you're not there to know what happened, but you already have a pretty good idea. Amen? Then two kids come in. It's, it's funny how they both run the room, they both know what happened, but they both have entirely different accounts, right? Or if nothing else, they've got doctored accounts to make themselves look as good as they possibly can. Don't look down your nose at the kid. We do that every day. Uh, do you understand why I pulled you over? Well, officer, let me explain to you what happened, why I had this speed. I didn't have any choice. I had the speed. I had the support. And we, we all do that, folks. So don't, don't look down your nose at the kids. That's a human tendency. But the Bible says you need to get all the facts. You need to search the matter. Folks, anytime somebody is teaching you something that is contrary to what the Word of God teaches, You've got to understand, hey, listen, this, this is a lie of Satan. What was the first thing that the serpent said to Eve in the garden, folks? Yea, hath God said. Did God really say that? <clears throat> folks, we live in a day and age where God's word is under assault. It's under assault by the government. It's under assault by the education system. It's under assault by the celebrities. It's under assault by popular culture. It's under assault from there. And unfortunately, a lot of sincere baby, or maybe we should say stunted growth, Christians are, well, well, man, I know the Bible says this, but boy, what they're saying, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, that's what he said. Well, gee, serpent, now that you mention it, that does sound pretty I'd be, I'd be as smart as God. How'd that work out for you, folks? Didn't work out so good. Eve should have stuck with what God told her. See, Eve's, and the Bible says flat out, in second, or First Timothy chapter 2, the Bible flat out says Eve was deceived. Adam knew what he was doing. Adam made a choice between his physical relationship with Eve and his spiritual relationship with God and said, okay, I'm sticking with Eve. 
And we've been saying, honey, whatever you want, ever since. Amen? <laughs> Instead of being the spiritual leaders we're supposed to be. That's for free. That wasn't in the notes. Wow, i got to stop. You guys, I can't believe you're still here. <laughs> Discernment. Discernment. Folks, the only way you get it is to exercise your senses. It might involve repetition. It, it might involve a regimen. It might involve a regular program. But we've got to get to the point where we are recognizing truth over evil. Our churches are being permeated by false doctrines that feel good, that are attracted to the flesh, but they're contrary to what the Bible says. And we need to have discernment. Let's look to the Lord in a word of prayer. Lord, we're thankful for the time together this morning. We're thankful for your word, how it speaks to our hearts. God, I pray you'd help each one of us to understand the importance this morning of discernment. Lord, we all need it. 